welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. Hello, hello. All right, today it's just going to be you and me, one-on-one, hanging out. And I thought I'd take this episode, use this time to just walk you through my story and, you know, shed some light on why I'm so obsessed with talking about mental health and spiritual being and consciousness and confidence. And, uh, you know, I love to talk about myself. So here we go. (laughs) I've already done like a little version of this on uh, my IGTV and YouTube, but uh, this is going to be kind of an extended one. So let's get to know each other, shall we? This is also a good memory exercise. Um, I wrote down some points that I wanted to go through and I'm like, whoa, it's interesting to put this all in a linear format. So, you know, you can do this too. (laughs) Take yourself on a walk through your personal history, see what comes up. Um, But I will, I'll take you back to the beginning here. I grew up in a little town called Kennebunk, Maine, Kennebunkport, Maine, which is a little beach town in Southern Maine. And uh, I honestly, I had a very blessed, beautiful childhood. Um, I I have a sister who's a year younger, 18 months. We're like Irish twins, as they say. Um, And we grew up very outdoorsy. We were always going camping and hiking, um, running around barefoot. We had this lovely like back field with a river going through it and all the neighborhood kids would run and play around. It was was honestly pretty idyllic. Um, So the ironic thing is that I grew up as a very depressed child. Um, I was on Zoloft before the age of 12, 11, um, very young. I just remember like, you know, wanting to kind of hurt myself or harm myself or just being so curious about death from such a young age. And uh, it's funny, I keep talking about this with one of my housemates. We were so fascinated with like reincarnation, near-death experiences, you know, the, the experience of consciousness beyond the physical body. So um, I think... And I hope that as I get older in this body, I start to unravel like what might have happened in a past life that would have caused depression as a young child because I was so loved, so cherished, so protected by my family and those around me that, you know, it doesn't make sense to me quite yet. But um, anyways, I do believe that our struggles turn into big blessings later on. So (laughs) anyways, so I grew up like that. I had depression from a very young age. Um you know, and that followed me through middle school and high school, a lot of high school. Um, But toward the end of high school, I decided to get off of my medication pretty much cold turkey with my mom, who was also on depression medication. And I'm really grateful that she allows me to talk about this. Um, But there had been this, you know, narrative to no one's fault in my family that the women on my mom's side of the family had depression and it was genetic basically, and that it was just something that was passed on. It was something that we'd have to deal with mental health, mentally and uh, relating to mental health, you know, for our whole lives. And at one point, her and I just were like, okay, why don't we see if there's an alternative method here? Um, and I think this was around the same time. I didn't grow up in like a super spiritual household, but like nothing was off the table, you know? We were always very open um, to talking about whatever was coming to mind. And I do remember that my mom would always go to like yoga retreats and meditation retreats. She was always very, you know, health conscious, etc. My dad's always been extremely compassionate and emotionally intelligent and open. 
So I did grow up in that kind of environment, but I think it was around like freshman year or something where my mom was starting to listen to The Secret, which is so funny. And so it kind of put in this idea that, oh, wait a second, like I might be in more in control than I think I am um, in tandem with universal forces. And maybe there's some true magic going on here. So I think that maybe that subconsciously sparked this idea to stop taking medication and see if there was some other way to go about um, managing our well-being. And at the same time, my mom had a very pivotal experience um, where her life just completely changed. She just straight up had a spiritual awakening that was visceral in a beautiful way and a very intense way. And not necessarily to be glamorized, uh, because it did, it created, you know, a huge kind of cosmic rift in our family and led to my parents getting divorced. And I won't go into it too much because I love them so much and I respect, you know, their privacy as well. But um, that was a huge catalyst and a huge shift for my family and my sister and I and our psyche and our perception of the world. So my parents split up, you know, toward the end of high school. And the one thing that I do want to say that I got out of that was, you know, how, how much it meant to me and how beautiful it was that they never talked terribly or badly about one another. They were always very conscious about making sure that they didn't speak ill of each other and that they, you know, remained calm and loving throughout the process and that we were the first priority there. And uh, this was in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. So that was a lesson that, you know, lives with me to this day is to love and honor our partners and, you know, transition out of relationships with immense respect and compassion. Um, so I really think about that every time. And I, and I brought so many lessons from their split up and their beautiful marriage. They had a wonderful marriage for a long time too, but I learned a lot about partnership through watching that unfold and the yin to the yang of it all. So moving on there, Let's see. I had always been interested in music and theater in high school. So I was taking guitar lessons. I was I was totally a theater kid in the chorus, in all the shows, everything. And I was realizing that um, I really loved expressing myself and experiencing this kind of cathartic release through writing music. So I had a keyboard. I had a little guitar. My friend group, you know, my first boyfriend was a great guitar player. Um, and I was starting to write music and it was starting to feel really good. Um, something was just lighting up there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York city and I'm going to become a pop star. (laughs) Totally. So I applied for like a music scholarship to Wagner college, got in on a music scholarship and ended up being in their choral program, which honestly I miss it. I miss singing in a choir. I think it's so beautiful. There is something just divine and heavenly that, you know, manifest when all these voices come together, especially in this acapella sense. And you know, the dissonance that you can create and the magic that you can create with just your voice is so spectacular to me. It's amazing that we can sing, we can sing laughter too. You know, there's so many cool parts about being human. Anyways, so I went to school for music theater and arts administration, which was basically studying the business of music. And as I was in school, I still hadn't completely worked through, you know, the true depression and the mental health issues that were were going on in high school. So I had quit taking medication and I wasn't feeling so numb anymore. So at least that felt better. But um, I really hadn't gotten to the root cause yet, which is important to know because, you know, until you pull out the root, honey, it's just going to still be there, right? 
So as I was in college, um, I mean, a lot of my mental health issues were masked by partying and, and alcohol and smoking a lot of weed, all this stuff. It was very exciting though. So that was definitely just a shift out of my childhood home and going into college for all of us, for any of us making a shift similar to that is, is big. Um, but I got triggered when I got scouted to model my sophomore year. Um, I got scouted by a mother agent and fashion week was coming up and, um, I was told immediately, you know, if you want to get signed, you got to lose 15 pounds to hit this weight in these measurements. And, uh, you know, I took it very practically at the time. And I was like, oh, I mean, of course, it makes sense. You, you really do need to be quite thin to have any chance at modeling in New York. And that was then. I mean, just in the past 10 years, things have changed so drastically. Like anybody at any size, you know, can model and be so beautiful and so revered and respected. But at the time that I was scouted, you really had to be so skinny to even have a chance. So um, I thought that I could handle that. Um, I could not. And it led into me developing pretty intense eating disorders because I'd have these deadlines like, okay, you got to be down to this weight by this date to make it to this casting and fit into these sample sizes. And I really was like, I've got this golden ticket here. I need to harness this. Like if I don't figure this out, like I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. Like here I am being handed this golden ticket, but I was so sad because I felt like worthless until I had, until I hit this goal weight. But it was just a mess. So I was experiencing bulimia, doing very long fasts that were similar to anorexia, I guess, just anything to drop that weight. Um, and above all, it just made me feel like I didn't have value unless I was beautiful by the industry standard, um, which is so crazy. Um, so that was going on. And at the same time, I was really starting to put out, I had, I had made a little demo from, from these acoustic songs that I, I was working on and I was performing them in little coffee shops and I was performing them on our college campus. And uh, my first manager found me, his name was Jay. So all this was kind of happening at the same time. And, uh, Jay landed in my lap, like a literal angel. He, he found me through a mutual friend he came to see me play and immediately was like, I want to manage you. Let's, let's do this. Um, in a very grassroots sense, uh, he had great, you know, knowledge of the business working with some R and B artists, but, um, we were still pretty green, you know, fresh and fresh in the game, but we were both so excited about the prospects of learning together and growing. And, um, he really taught me the discipline of being an artist. He was having me like write a song a day and, you know, linking me up with producers to work with on the weekends. And, we started to book my first shows um, and get me prepared to do that. And he was having me like run and bicycle and everything and do cardio while I was singing to get my breath work down. It was awesome. <laughs> I just loved him so much. Um, so Jay and I were pretty much like tied at the hip for my whole like junior year, I think. I'm trying to get this timeline right. But yep, it was in college and he was really helping me move into the, you know, serious New York City scene, which was very exciting. And just train me basically and get my stamina up. So anyways, Jay and I, you know, became best friends and um, it's crazy. Jay ended up taking his own life. And um, the craziest thing about that was I did not know that it was coming at all. It was, it was totally a blindsiding moment. Um, he was such a light, so confident, um, such such a heart opening person when you you met him it was just like you immediately loved him 
And uh, I do remember the last time I saw him, we were on the train together going up to the Bronx area um, to do like a little concert for the opening of a community garden up there. They had done a great job planting all these trees and bringing the neighborhood together. And so we were going up and I remember we, we finished the show and we were, he was bringing me to a friend's house, the same friend that had introduced us from day one, which is interesting. And he said, you know, how, how have you dealt with all of these difficult issues in your life and how did your family get through what they got through? And I, I don't know, I said whatever I could come up with, but that was the only time I remember him really expressing that he was struggling with something and I couldn't quite make sense of it. But I, I just remember hugging him goodbye and saying, I love you so much. I'll see you tomorrow. I love you. I'll see you soon. And then I got a call from a mutual friend of ours, um, like the day after. And I just, it was one of those intuitive hits that I think many of us have, you know, at one point or another, or if we're good at it often. And I knew something was wrong. I did not want to answer that phone. Um, but I answered it and I got the call and I was told that Jay had passed like that night. Um, and I threw the phone, I screamed. It was such a primal experience. I just completely collapsed. My body totally gave out. The only thing I could think of doing was literally praying. It was the first time I feel like I've really sincerely prayed. Um, and prayer in the way that I was just communicating with his spirit in, in any way that I could make sense of and wrap my head around. So I just remember locking myself in my dorm room and uh, speaking directly to him and just saying, I love you so much. I forgive you. Go toward the light. Um, it's all going to be okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just speaking to him and seeing if I could help him. Because I remember I'd just been hearing about, you know, people who have trouble passing. And sometimes it's hard for people to even understand what has just happened as a soul navigating the ether um, and transitioning. So yeah, so I spoke to him. And that felt really good to do that. And I remember the the week afterwards, I would literally see him everywhere. I would be absolutely convinced I was seeing him in the grocery line and I would follow somebody who I thought looked like him. And one day I really had a, a such a physical experience of being on the train and feeling him hug me. Like I felt arms and warmth completely around me and I had to get off the train. I was just so um, shaken and just amazed by what I was feeling, the physical sensation of it. I was having dreams about him all the time. So his passing and his shift was very, uh, very real to me and such an interesting connection to the spirit world. Um, and after he passed, I, I transitioned into kind of a new group of friends who introduced me to psychedelics and mushrooms and LSD and all, all the things. And that is when my real understanding that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience kicked off. Like, it was like, okay, I've been thinking about this. I've been doing some reading about this. These same friends had introduced me to like EFT and tapping and TL Swan Eckhart Tolle, you know, all, all of the basics, Joe Dispenza, everything like that. I was just obsessed with reading about this, but it was like knowledge, but not wisdom yet, you know? So psychedelics actually started to help me understand like everything I had been learning, this is how it's applied. This is how it feels. This is the inner standing and the inner knowing that's going on here. I started to look at my body, you know, as, as what it is, it's, it's this beautiful, vessel of like organic material that's living and breathing but it is not my essence it's it's my spacesuit in a way you know 
And that, that I can't, I can't really describe. I think you just have to experience something like that. Um, but it, it stuck with me forever and it was deeply healing and, um, getting into EFT and meditation, all of these things really helped me to overcome my eating issues and, um, my, you know, residual depression that I still hadn't gotten to the root of. Um, so that had so much to do with just strengthening my intuitive abilities and having very open conversations with people about what we were experiencing in life, journaling, working through dreams and lucid dreaming. My mom had taught my sister and I about lucid dreaming very early on. And we grew up in a house where we, were, we would all get into bed together in the morning and talk about our dreams and journal. Um, so that was definitely around. And it was just like, this was the culmination of all of my teachings. Basically, I started to really get it. Um, well, I say that, but I'm, to this day, I'm still, we're all still learning, aren't we? But that was when things really started to change for me and my, my life started to change. Um, and I just got much more interested in the healing world. So it was around that time that I was like, I think it would be best that modeling go to the side. And at the same time, I had gone home and my family had had an intervention with me over a holiday break or something. And they knew I was sick. They they were like, Helen, you got to chill. You got to figure out what's going on here and we'll do anything to help you heal. And I was like, and I just broke down. It was like being cracked open. I was like, oh, I hadn't ever looked at it straight on and honestly for myself. So I was like, okay, well, how am I going to start to actually heal? I got to use these tools. I got to I got to really start to apply the knowledge and the wisdom and bring that to life. Um, so what's not working? I, I weeded those things out and I was like, here's what's not working. Here's what is. Let's go with the better feeling, right? Abraham Hicks vibes, <laughs> like stay in the vortex, follow. What does she say? Swim downstream, stop swimming upstream, you know, literally go with the flow. Um, so that was going on. And so I guess, let's see next. I, so I graduate, right? Okay. I go in and out of the music world. I'm, I, I was learning how to book my own shows and send those emails and, and just create marketing kits. And I was doing all the, all the shows on the Bowery, Bowery Electric, Rock Road Music Hall, like Mercury Lounge, all of those ones, SOBs, like, you know, the, the, the circuit that you want to play on the Lower East Side, like Soho area, which was really fun and, and really built my confidence because I'll tell you what, like, I love making music. I love being in a studio session. I love collaborating with people. I love writing. I love like the euphoria you get when a song comes together. But I'm, I don't necessarily love like performing the music. I've always been a solo artist too, or maybe just had like a producer with me sometimes, but usually it's just straight up me and guitar up there. And I've never like loved that. I'm, I'm, I'm shifting my, you know, intention in the future to be more, you know, with a group on stage. Um, so I ended up just kind of like, I did that circuit for a couple years, um, a few years. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to kind of back off and just do more like studio sessions right now because that feels better. Um, so that was coming out of college. I was living in Brooklyn. I, I lived, so I lived in New York city, New York city, like for eight years, for the last eight years before coming to California. So I could, I lived in every living situation you can imagine. But, um, the first job that I really had coming out of college was of course, like those hospitality industry jobs. So I remember working at the standard hotel for a little bit, met some awesome music friends there to this day. I'm still friends with those guys um, shifted into event planning for the standard and reservations and stuff like that. And then went from there to working with a startup group called six plus, which was really fun to work with. Cause it was only a group of like six people. Um, 
And I was watching this woman, this like powerhouse of a woman lead us all through the beginnings of a business and really gain some traction and success. It was also such a fun job because it was, it was like almost like real estate, but basically what we were doing was we were booking out the private event spaces at these nice restaurants and in hotels, which I didn't even know existed. Like I didn't realize that there were all these like private event rooms in all these places I was familiar with. So it was a really fun job where I'd run around and I'd show people these event spaces and scout them out and photograph them and market them and whatever. Um, so, and that was like straight up startup culture. Like, here's how you start a business. Here's all the hats that you need to wear to get something off the ground. Fascinating. At the same time, I was falling in love for the first real time, big time. And uh, now I look back on that relationship. I was like, I don't know if it was, I was totally in love with him, but it was, it was a more of like a trauma bonding almost. Like I so desperately wanted this guy's approval. It was a very, um, karmic kind of twin flame thing for me, I feel like. Um, so I was very much in love with him and he was surrounded by, he was also running a startup. First of all, he was like, you know, starting his own business, big time doing really well. And he was surrounded by models all the time. Like, and it was (laughs) just triggering my, all of my issues from college of uh, being at all in the modeling world. Like, oh my goodness, here comes the standard again. I'm going to, I need to do anything I can, I can to like prove myself worthy to this stunning group of people who are all successful in business too. Like it really tested me. Um, so that relationship naturally came to an end. Um, just, I think so much of that was about me not feeling worthy, you know, and really needing to take a good hard look at like, do you feel worthy? Are you still craving people's attention? Where's your level of deservingness, you know? So when we split up, I was like, okay, clearly I need to go inward here and just make sure that like, I'm actually okay, you know? Um, so I decided the thing I would do was, uh, go abroad and start to do some solo travel. So I went to the Turks and Caicos first for like a week by myself. That was my first major like solo trip. Um, and I recommend to anybody, if you can get out there and do solo travel, it's hugely expansive because you start to realize who you are without the influence of your friends, your family. Like when you think about life and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, you're typically surrounded by people that you might be familiar with or a, a group of people you might be familiar with. And you're making decisions based on the people around you. And you're speaking in certain ways that reflect the people around you and you're acting in certain ways. But like when you're completely alone in a foreign country or a foreign place of the world, like you really get to know yourself. Um, So that was really amazing. And it gave me the confidence to keep doing that. So I ended up going to Thailand next. Um, And at this point I had saved enough money because I knew I wanted to like stop working like a nine to five cycle. I knew I wasn't cut out for that work and I wanted to see if I could just focus on music for a year and not work. So I just saved every penny. Like I just saved enough that I knew I could live for at least six months, nine months off of what I had saved and travel a little bit. So I went to Thailand for a month, um, did Chiang Mai and Pai and uh, like Bangkok for a hot second. And um, I came back knowing that I needed to be deeply studying meditation because I'd gone and, and I thought that I might be able to do like a Vipassana retreat or like, you know, enter some kind of monastery 
thing. I don't know, but I did not do as much meditating as I thought I would do in Thailand. That was more of like a walkabout, like an existential like moment for me, getting to know myself as a human. But I came back being like, okay, if I'm going to go back to New York City, like I really need to understand meditation. So I decided I'd reach out to this group called Inscape that was a meditation studio in the Flatiron District. And I ended up working there for a year and I made some other like amazing friends. I just cherish them so much to this day. Um, everybody in there was just so bright and beautiful and just kind and wise. And all of us, I feel like we were all in like kind of monk training for that year because we were facilitating these meditations and we weren't speaking them. They were like guided meditations that would come over the loudspeaker and we would just make sure that everybody was okay. We'd get them ready to do like heavy breath work if that's what the session required. But essentially we were doing the sessions with everybody. So we were just like in meditation. If we were doing five sessions a day, we were doing five hours of meditation a day. Like it was intense. It was so beautiful and so transformational. And that's where I, excuse me, I, that's where I really learned about like Wim Hof and how uh, transformational breath work can be. And I mean, the hit of oxygen to your cells that you get when you do intentional heavy breathing, you release trauma. You absolutely release trauma. Breath work is incredible. It's not just this like LA yogi thing to say, oh, I do breath work. Like when you really do breath work for a, the first time, that's a big time, like you'll see you you can't help but like cry and release and like shake and uh we always had to just kind of give people a beautiful warning to be like don't be ashamed don't be scared if stuff comes up because when you really tap into the breath whoo you know you're activating your vagus nerve which is like kundalini in a way that's what we're talking about when we talk about kundalini awakening we're talking about that spinal fluid that vagus nerve getting activated and that's what is a lot of what's happening with breath work so anyways stayed there uh, for about a year. And then, you know, it started to feel like a little bit too much of like a job. You know, I was like, I think I've kind of outgrown this. And I was very interested in starting to hone in on graphic design and marketing skills because I was starting to like try to grow an online presence. And um, I had, I was posting mostly just like, like selfies and heavily edited photos. It was, it was so funny, but um, I had grown my following to almost 20,000 followers. I did hit 20,000 followers um, and my account got hacked and taken down. Um, and I remember it was such a weird day. I was working out of this co-working space. And by this time I'd shifted into graphic design and social media management for people. And I remember I was working out of the wing, which is a women's co-working space in New York city such a cool space, by the way, if you guys are in New York and looking for a place to work out of. But anyways, I'm sitting there. All of a sudden, the fire alarm goes off because somebody has, you know, put off a smoke bomb for a photo shoot outside. The fire alarm starts going off. No one really knows what to do. And at the same time, I look down at my phone and I've got this email that pops up. It was like out of Black Mirror or something. It was like, if you don't answer us and pay us this much, we're taking your account down. I was like, oh shit. I was like, well, I don't know what to do. So I literally called the police. It was such like mayhem because everyone's trying to get out of the wing, the, the space, because the fire alarm's going off. There's smoke outside. My phone's going off. I'm calling the police. The fire trucks are coming. It was the weirdest day. I was like, but what are the police going to do? It was just like such a silly like first move. But I decided I'm not going to pay them. Um, like they'll probably just take it down anyways. I don't know what I should do to this day. But uh, anyways, I lost the account. And to be honest, I had been, I had hired a group to do engagement for me to boost my engagement on Instagram. So I think a lot of the followers that I had on that account, 
um, were probably fake, honestly, probably not real. Like I thought they were, but, um, now because I'd never gained those followers back when I launched my new account. So I was like, I don't think much of that was real. Anyways, it was a very important and very good moment for me to have. So the account, you know, goes down. So I had a choice to make. I had really been getting into, I'd st- of course, I was still into mindfulness and meditation. And I was noticing this kind of like, you know, dichotomy and this almost inauthent- inauthenticity coming through on my Instagram at the time, because it was just like, I wasn't showing my true self. It was just like trying to post hot pictures of myself, you know, cause I was still trying to prove myself and try to feel like I was good looking because of my whole modeling trauma, which is like, okay, that's okay. But I was like, all right, let me, I have this opportunity to start from zero, like nothing. What do I want to put out in the world now? And especially knowing that like, I didn't own my content, you know, you don't own your Instagram, like Instagram owns it. So like, at that point I was like, okay, well at any point my accounts could get taken down. Like what can I actually own? So I was like, I'm going to start a website for myself and I love to write. I'm always journaling anyway. So I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to talk about meditation and you know, maybe I'll start sending out a newsletter and all these things. And plus I really needed to learn more about web design because I was taking on clients that were more like social media management, photography and graphic design based, but I really wanted to step into web design. Um, and at the time I had, I was starting to work with clients like Fifth Avenue Association, which was really like a, a really fun, big client for me to have in New York um, because I was just photographing all the new art shows and the the beautiful restaurants on Fifth Avenue and going to the plaza. Like it, that really like put me in a new state of being as well. One of like great prosperity and abundance and really like built my relationship up with New York City to be one of such beauty and excitement and artistry. So that was an awesome client to get. And I, and I literally just like cold called them and I was like, Hey, I want to work with you. I've done that with almost every job, by the way, you guys, like I've never really applied for a job. I straight up call them. I'm like, I want to work with you. Here's what I can do. Here's samples of the content I can produce for you. So I, I truly believe we can, we can do anything we put our minds to. So anyways, I was working with them. Um, and, um, so when my account got hacked, I was like, the next Instagram I'm going to start, I'm going to be much more focused on mental health and well-being. So I started doing that and started like putting out quotes and, you know, you know, doing my blog, but really focusing on building out my website. Um, and one thing led to another. And I started to, uh, think about starting a podcast because I was still, I still felt like I had so much to learn. And of course I still do to this day. Um, and some of my favorite teachers, you know, I was listening to, I was like, I just wish I could ask them like more questions and wouldn't it be amazing if I could get them to talk to me? Um, and I'm a Gemini moon, you know, I love to chat, chat, chat. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna figure this out. How hard can it be? I've been doing music. It's not that different. You just plug in a mic. Right. And I, I knew I could, and I knew I could figure out how to book them. Um, which, uh, which I did. It was, it's so funny to listen back to those first episodes of this podcast too. I mean, even podcasts like five episodes ago, make me a little cringy, but it's like, it's such a great sign of growth when you can cringe, you know what I mean? So that was okay. Now we're going back. Like this is, I guess, two years ago now. So I had by this time transitioned into fully running, like my new Instagram was all about mindfulness meditation. I hadn't, you know, gotten back any of those quote unquote followers that were probably not even real to begin with. Um, but I was feeling much more at peace, feeling like I could do anything. You know, I had this blank slate to start with. Um, and I was working for myself for the first time as a freelancer, which felt very freeing. 
And then that is when I met my my next like big love. I was living in Park Slope and this like gorgeous guy flew in to uh, model for for Fashion Week and um, he was supposed to just stay with us for like a couple of weeks and then ended up just straight up moving into our apartment uh, to pursue his modeling and his art. He's also an incredible uh, acrylic oil watercolor painter, just an incredible artist. We became best friends and we just fell in love and it was it was amazing. And uh, I'm so grateful to him to this day. Like I look back on every partner I've had with so much just absolute love and respect. Um, I've had some amazing boyfriends over the years, but um, these two that I talk about, they really stuck out, you know, because they're such interesting examples of love and bonding. But um, my most recent partner, he was so special to me because he really taught me how to be loved for real. Like I... I felt like I could just be completely myself around him with my first big love boyfriend who I was talking about earlier. Like I would feel like I needed to go to sleep, like wearing makeup. Like I could not see him unless I was like in a beautiful dress and heels. Like, oh my goodness. Like I really did not feel like he ever even knew me to be honest. Um, I wasn't funny around him, nothing. Like I just could not be myself. I didn't feel comfortable being myself. And then I met my most recent partner and, um, he allowed me to be everything and more and like even push my boundaries to get weirder, like, you know, really embrace who I truly am and opened me up to just pursuing my art and my music even more because I had kind of taken a shift and, and gone into podcasting more and was getting excited about that and was kind of forgetting a little bit about music. Also knowing that I wanted to shift into like an acoustic sound, also re-releasing music under a new name. It was like, there was just a lot going on there. Um, so yeah, he was, he was just beautiful in the way that like he taught me how to be loved truly. So he set the bar quite high for the next, for the next partner I'm calling in. Um, and before that, and around the same time, I had also entered, um, into UN women's group, United Nations women's young professional committee. It's a mouthful UN women's YP committee in New York city. And I had met, um, this wonderful group of women through a friend um, that I was living with in Soho that had introduced us and had said, oh, Helen could play at one of your like benefit concert, benefit, um, you know, nonprofit fundraising events and she could play a show. So that's how I met them. And I started to go to their monthly meetings and ended up becoming the chair of the committee. And um, so I did that for a couple of years and that was hugely expansive as well. It was maybe my first time being in a, a real leadership role and actually having to go through programming and um, collaborate. And, and we were doing a lot of like fundraising events. So, you know, booking out those event spaces and, you know, rehearsing because I was playing shows at these events. And it was just so cool to be around women who were truly in their power and truly interested about changing the world as well. So it's kind of an underlying thing that was going on as well as all this women's empowerment work and really developing this like awareness about what the world looks like and what we need. And so that was going on. That was very empowering. Anyways, let me make sure I'm not skipping over anything. I'm going to look at my little, little notes right here. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I guess we're at the point of like COVID hitting. So of course, lots of stuff happens in between there, but, um, I realized, so I started, it had been eight years. I'd been living in the city, doing all of the entertainment stuff, you and women, working many jobs, going through a couple big partnerships, like 
partying like crazy. Oh my gosh, I went through a major party phase, like right out of college. My goodness, that's another wormhole that I'm not even ready to go into with you guys. But like, talk about like the underground of New York City, honey. I was in there, lots of drugs, lots of partying, lots, lots of like sex and rock and roll. It was kind of wild. Um, sorry, if you can hear that, I'm just shifting in my seat. Ah, okay. So anyways, I decide that I am like, I can't be in New York anymore. First of all, the noise was just really getting to me. Like I was hearing sirens all the time. The trash trucks were so loud. Oh my goodness. It was just like overstimulation to the freaking max. And I knew that, um, there was something about the partnership I was in that wasn't quite aligned for some reason, it just felt, I got, I had this gut feeling like I need to get out of the city. I need to just like leave everything and just start again somewhere else. Um, and I was very called to the West coast, but I just didn't know what it would really look like. So, um, my last boyfriend and I, we broke up. Um, I like to say partner instead. Boyfriend sounds weird. I don't know. I, I hope that's catching on partner. Um, we broke up and I decided we were living together in Park Slope. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go to Maine and visit my family. It was only like a five hour drive to Maine. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to stay there for the weekend and figure out my next move because I'm going to move apartments on the first of the month. Um, and just give us both time to recover from everything that's just happened in our breakup. So I go home and that's the weekend that COVID hits like hardcore. Like we'd been hearing murmurings, but like COVID hit. And I was like, holy shit, like the borders to New York might close. Like no one knew what was going to happen. So I decided like, I'm, I drove down our SUV, our family SUV, and I packed up all of my belongings from my New York spot and brought them all back to Maine and just completely moved out within the span of 12 hours. Like I popped in, popped out and goodbye. She's out of New York. Hello. <laughs> New start to life. Okay. Bye. So I ended up going home and I was like, oh, I'll just be here for a couple of weeks. I'll go back to New York when this passes. No, no. I think as we all experienced to one degree or another, it turned into four months. It turned into the whole COVID summer. So, but that turned out to be incredibly healing. I really just needed to slow down and take a break and reconfigure. Um, And at the same time, my sister had been doing the Appalachian Trail and she was about 300 miles in and she decided that the best thing morally to do was to get off the trail because they could be like super spreaders, all the hike, all the hikers going through, like you wouldn't think so, but they have to get off the trail and go into these little small towns to do like pickups. And, um, so she had gotten off the trail and she was flying home as well. So we were all together as a family and as for an extended time, for the first time since childhood, it was really an amazing container to be in. Um, but we were all together. And during that time I knew I was like, okay, I, I've always known that I want to own, I want to start my own business. I want to be working for myself like big time. So I was like, what, what would my ideal life look like? You know, what would it really look like? And to me, it looked like doing public speaking and podcasting and making music, but really offering myself up as a healer and, and sharing, what I have learned to overcome depression and anxiety and eating disorders and all of this low self-worth, because I I do feel like I had truly outgrown it and I truly have. Um, And it just took time and practice, daily practice every single day, doing guided meditations, doing EFT, all of that um, to come to this place of of true resounding peace and a feeling of uh, stability through all the ups and downs that are inevitable in life. Um, 
And when I thought about that, I said, okay, well, I need, I need some more experience here and I need to boost my credentials in a way. So during quarantine, I got certified as a Reiki two healer. So I spent a lot of time studying Reiki and energetics. Um, and I took, I literally bought a bundle of a hundred courses covering everything around healing and entrepreneurship and, you know, self-help. I bought a huge bundle and I was just putting myself through school again for like all of the beginning of COVID. I was just in school. I was taking classes. I was getting certified. And eventually I got certified as a behavior change specialist as well. So by that point I was like, okay, I know this stuff. And I feel like I've known it for a while, but now I've just got the certifications and I feel now I feel really confident to share this with uh, specifically the women in my community and to feel good doing it. And the podcast was doing really well. So this kind of new life was taking shape because I'd always thought that I would just keep going, going, going with music. Um, But I'm so, you know, blessed and I feel so grateful that it's taken this turn into healing more. And now when I think of music, I think of music as an extension of healing work. Um, And it's got a different sound, um, which, which you'll hear soon. I've got a single coming out on October 1st. Shout out. Anyways, so I had also enrolled in Lacey Phillips program called The Pathway. And, uh, so, and I had been stalking her on Instagram, of course. And I was like, so she's out in LA, but she's not in LA. Like she's in nature, but she's in LA. And I was like, that's Topanga. And as I looked at it on the map, I could see that it was a big state park, like right above Malibu, like near the ocean, but in the mountains and, you know, 30 minutes from downtown LA. I was like, that is where I need to live. I need to go there. Um, and I was also ready for a big adventure. Cause I just, I had the travel bug. So I decided to take a cross-country road trip for two months, and I did all the national parks. I packed up the car. I put all my camping gear. I bought a car for the first time in my life, got all my camping gear out, and uh, was like, I'm going to do this. This is a you know radical act of self-reliance, and I can do this because I'd already solo traveled enough to know that I was capable of doing an extended camping trip, and I felt safe. I, have, I never felt you know threatened, or I just had a really blissful experience. So... I did a two-month trip and I did the northern route of the states and went through all of those beautiful national parks like the Badlands and, you know, Big Sky Montana and Glacier National Park and all up through Vermont and, um, you know, and then I ended up doing like an S and going through like Utah and Colorado, but I saw so much of the United States and I honestly developed this like sense of patriotism in in, in a really raw sense of the word because I'm so proud to be living here and in America. It's, it's such a blessing and such a gift. We don't even, I mean, if you haven't gotten out there and seen these national parks, like you can't even imagine the beauty that is right outside our back door. It's just, we live in the most beautiful world and the United States is just stunning. So, I mean, I remember I was just crying tears of joy every day. Like it was just spectacular. And I was also doing my podcast on the road. Um, so that was, it was really fun. And it also gave me this very real sense of like, I'm always going to be okay. Worst case scenario, like what, you know, what if I end up homeless or houseless or something terrible happens? Like the worst thing that could happen is that I get in my car, I pack up my tent and I live on the road and that would be heaven to me. Like it was so heavenly. I met some amazing buddies traveling that way. So anyways, I get out here. I made it to Topanga and I ended up camping on the beaches in Malibu. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself a week to figure out like where I'm going to stay. So I put out a a request in the Topanga local Facebook group. And I said, Hey guys, I'm looking for a place to stay. Um, you know, this is my budget. 
anybody have any ideas? And literally within the same day, I get a message back. Um, well, first I'll tell you on my road trip, I had been researching Native American history for every park that I was crossing. Like whose land was I on? I wanted to know. So I was looking up YouTube videos, listening to podcasts about like the history and the origin of the land that I was crossing. And I came into Topanga with the intention of connecting more with Native people. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Like literally no clue. But I was like, this is important. I need to be meeting more Indigenous and Native people. So of course, <laughs> the first person that reaches out to me is a guy named Chumash, and he'd been living uh, at Standing Rock while the huge Standing Rock situation was going on a few years ago, and he'd been, you know, given the name Chumash to represent the Chumash tribe, native to Malibu. The Tongva people are native to Topanga. Topanga is Tovanga, Tongvan. Um, so I meet Chu. We call him Chu. I come up here, and we enter just kind of like a a ceremony together he brings out the drum we're talking about his history and his life I mean it was just like he just killed a rattlesnake because the rattlesnake was trying to hurt the dogs and he'd skin this rattlesnake he was like offering me the rattlesnake skin I was like where am I what what is going on and I was like okay I have to live here like I need to live here and he was part of a crew coming in from Ojai back to the house in Topanga, and they'd all just worked on uh, Kiss the Ground, which is a great documentary on Netflix. So I'm in this house of like filmmakers, and this is where I've been for the past just over a year now. Um, oh my goodness, just amazing. And here I really feel like I have met like family, like family that is here to help me shift into the next version of myself. You know, I think we're all going to go through so many metamorphoses, uh, morphoses, is that the right word? Um, and I feel like I'm truly in a portal here, like a vortex on this land. I actually tried to leave at one point when it got a little like crazy for me. And I was like, oh, I think I have to go back to New York. Like, oh my God. And the universe was like, nope, you're staying right here, honey. You're not done. And there's been an absolute reason for this. So many beautiful events have unfolded, so much magic. And um, I'm just so grateful. So, I mean, guys, I think we covered my whole life story. Isn't that crazy? So that's what's been going on out here. Um, I've just been so much more focused on healing and stepping into women's empowerment work. Um, a couple months ago, I launched my first course called Cultivating Confidence, which is really just referring to self-worth, confidence as the keyword to that self-worth. And in that course are all of the practices that I go to on a daily basis, um, guided visualization meditation, uh, workbook prompts, EFT, you know, everything to do with building our self-efficacy, our self-worth, and really just like honoring ourselves. So I launched that a couple months ago, been working on music and uh, I launched merch for the first time recently as well that says you are loved. So check that out too. Now I'm in my pitching phase, <laughs> but uh, I will tell you guys one more thing that's going on. So I am hosting my first retreat in Topanga. Um, at this beautiful ranch called La Esperanza in Topanga Canyon. It's like 10 minutes away from where I live. It's a horse ranch with beautiful horses. And uh, I'm working with this woman, Sabine, who I just interviewed as well for an episode. And uh, she works around bonding and building trust and communicating with horses. My dear friend, Ali Ofstedal, is going to be leading us through, you know, quantum healing and subconscious healing. And I'm going to be taking you through some meditation and breath work together. So that's going to be on September 19th for the full moon. It's a full day of yoga, meditation, bonding with the horses, a catered lunch, and just building community. It's all women. We've got eight spots available at the moment. 
So um, if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, you'll see all the information there and uh, you can always DM me like I'm here for you. Anything you need, anything you want to talk about. Okay. I'm, I'd love to chat. You know, I love to chat. Um, but I think that wraps it up for me, you guys. I just, I'm so grateful for you and for your presence. Thank you so much for being here with me. If you're tuning in every Wednesday, I just can't thank you enough. And I'm so grateful and honored to, you know, share this space with you and this time with you. Um, all right, guys, I think that's it from me. I will try to, I'll do these updates, you know, maybe every six months I do one of these like life updates. I don't know, but this has been fun. It's been very interesting to revisit this journey a little bit. Um, but I love you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day, wherever you are. Talk to you soon.